everybody, and welcome to the Shenanacast. This is episode number. We should have looked at episode. <laughs> this is episode number episode, sir. We're so professional. This is episode number ten. This hey, is the tenth episode of the Shenanacast. How's it feel to have done ten episodes of a podcast? Feels kind of like doing nine did. This will actually make 18 total podcasts uploaded to Podbean. Really? Yes. Including our special bonus podcast. Including the special bonus, including the special bonus Cthulhu cast that went up uh, yesterday. Ooh, Cthulhu cast has a good sound. Cthulhu cast does have a good sound. I really like it. I wish I had called it Cthulhu cast. (laughs) We're gonna go rename that. (laughs) It said it's Final Show Films actual play Call of Cthulhu one shot. Yes, Um, but it'll be more often. I am one of your hosts. I am John, also known as Instocular. With me is... Austin, also known as the guy who really likes Cthulhu cast as a name. And units. And also with a special guest today is... Holly, also known as Mrs. Units. Yay! Da, na, 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 na. I am here da, na, na, to replace uh, Shadow Chorus. We have replaced a Shadow Chorus permanently. Uh-huh. No, we haven't. Don't, He's don't just not like here that. right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's doing this dumb thing called working. Apparently he likes to earn money, make paychecks, oh, that yeah. sort Sorry. of whatnot. No. Just so that you're <clears throat> the full power of your voice is hitting the microphone. Ah. All right. So yeah, uh, so this is our Halloween Shenanicast special. Uh, our Shenanah Halloween. Shenanaween? 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 That does not sound right. Shenanaween. Halloweenery? Halloweenery doesn't sound any better than Shenanaween. It doesn't really Shenanaween. This is our Halloween <laughs> Shenanicast special. This is our Halloween cast. Shenanaween cast. We we could pull the, the 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 awkward church thing and just call it our fall festival cast because <laughs> they can't call like things that. Halloween, but they'll celebrate it if they call it fall festivals. It's our Halloween podcast. Um. And today we are going to be talking about Halloween things. And I realized suddenly, while looking at our show notes, we never decided what our preamble is going to be, so... Well, we're definitely ambling. We are definitely ambling, so let's amble right into our main topic! Ooh! Connections! Anyways. Our first main topic for today is scary stories in gaming. And this is a very appropriate uh, topic because of the uh, special Halloween actual play that we just sent up uh, yesterday. So if you haven't listened to that... Listen to that, pause this recording now, or skip ahead 30 minutes. Um, I should probably just pause this recording, go listen to the Call of Cthulhu actual play, and then come back, because we will be talking about some spoilers regarding uh, the Call of Cthulhu one-shot that we did and uploaded yesterday. If you do listen to the spoilers, don't worry. Listening to various people cry in a corner on microphone is still just as amusing. It is. Mostly me. <laughs> but be warned, spoilers have been called for our own content. It's weird having to put a spoiler warning for your own content. It's kind of cool. It is kind of awesome. I like it. Okay, uh, we've given them plenty of time to know there are spoilers. You've had a solid, like, 45 seconds of rambling on spoilers. Just making sure that spoilers were mentioned at least once so that we don't get accused of spoiling things that might have spoilers. John, did you mention the spoilers? I don't think I did. By the way, spoilers. Anyways... So, talking about scary stories and games, we just recently did our Halloween special, the actual play series, <coughs> where we did a Call of Cthulhu one-shot. 
Courtesy of uh, Courtesy of Ruckdock, who sent us these lovely hoodies and as and a lovely uh, Call of Cthulhu core rulebook, uh, and requested that we make an actual play and record it. So we did, and it was fun. <coughs> I like the idea of doing like holiday specials of things, themed holiday specials. Thanksgiving's um, gonna be a little bit harder than Halloween. Uh, no, we just make a we just make a session of of a D and D campaign where we're going and slaughtering Indians. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Here are some blankets. They'll keep you warm. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so uh, so we did, we did Call of Cthulhu, and I GM'd, and, and I, I, it ended up being a four-hour podcast. I had planned for, I had planned for a, a larger story, knowing that I'd probably have to condense it, as, things ha- as happens when you do one-shots. Um, <clears throat> Character because... choices of the players also had to be altered for... We need to solve this in four hours. We kind of can't linger around. Let's go the direct route. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, things were... It was a little bit more direct than it might have been in a longer series. But it was still fun. And I think it was still a very different experience than what the players were used to playing... Used to dealing with. Um, so it was it was interesting to watch them, you know, sort of puzzle their way through certain events. Of any game we played, it was actually probably the closest to second ed. Really? Yeah. Cool. Um, well, for you, at least. Yes. Nobody else has played second The rest of you haven't played second nope. Um, but, uh, so Call of Cthulhu is a storyteller system, uh, that being that the emphasis is on creating a story between the, the keeper, or the GM, and the players. And ours was set in 1890s Georgia, uh, and, you know, 25 years after the end of the Civil War in, in Reconstruction Era Georgia. Um, and it was the four of our, my players... Going about and and trying to solve a missing persons mystery in a little mountain town uh, to the north uh, near Dahlonega in modern day Appalachian Georgia, um, and it was fun. I, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, so so what distinguishes Call of Cthulhu then from? So Call of Cthulhu, be, like I said, being a storyteller system, it's about making a story. Call of Cthulhu in particular is a Lovecraftian setting. It's basically the name kind of gives it away. It's set in the world of H.P. Lovecraft's short stories and novels, which um, is technically Earth, which is basically Earth, but with all of these ancient horrors and creatures influencing the world. Um, they, in particular, they were, you know, the, the, the group of them were, you know, before they had, before they had set off on their first adventure, at least one of them was suffering from hallucinations, uh, brought on by magic, uh, as his mind was attempting to be taken over by a creature who was trying to build an army. This is where we get into the actual spoilers. So the, the original story that I had, that I had drafted up was a, a battle between two, old ones that the player characters get caught in the middle of specifically battling over this town of Elysian Falls uh, where they ended up going to look for these missing people Um, pressed for time one of them got cut yeah pressed for time one of them got cut but the the there were two ways they could have gone Uh, it was a battle between the the forces of Haster the unspeakable and who is a massive undefinable a uh, person who sort of has human cultists as his servants, and Glocky, the uh, monster of the lake, uh, who who technically is situated in London, can be tan- transported to other bodies of water if the keeper so desires, um, and who was uh, who mainly controls the undead, 
after he turns them undead by skewering them with a massive spike. Um, he's a very interesting monster. Out of all the old ones you could have faced, he's probably the only one you would reasonably have had a chance to actually kill. Um, Was he not too dangerous? He only had 40 hit points. And 20 armor. So you would have had to do more than 20 damage to him to actually hurt him in one go. That would be difficult. But he only had 40 hit points. Yeah. As opposed to 100. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, uh, Glocky is one of the few that you would have actually been able to, with some planning and some trickery, deal with. The only problem with it is he's also a spellcaster and manipulates And underwater. And underwater. Which makes hurting him much more difficult. And has a 100% chance to spike you through the chest with 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 a massive thing that turns you into an undead zombie if it kills you. You know. Things like that. But yeah, so I was not fun. A lot of things started changing. Like, like I had a basic outline, and I knew that I would be making some of the stuff up as I went, especially character names because I'm I'm horrible at, at making up character names in advance. So a lot of them, like Bob Derringer, is actually a friend of mine from school. My favorite D and D screen has a dice rolling guide for making names. Oh yeah, what 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 screen is it? I don't remember. It was one that a friend of mine has, but it, it's. It's got a thing, and it's different races, and you roll a d10, and it selects the first syllable, and you roll a d10 again, and it selects the second syllable, and then you roll a d10 again, and there's, like, if it's 1 through 6, there's a syllable, if it's 7 through 10, it ends the name, and then there's possibly a 4 syllable, it's only like a 1 or a 2, and you string them together, and it's like, (laughs) there's a name. (laughs) Here's a bunch of elven syllables I threw together. Yeah, because one of the things that always happens is, what's a name? Especially when it's... Random NPC courier is like, what's his? Uh, uh, thank you, sir. What's your name? Uh, 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 random king's courier isn't ever going to show up in the plot again. But now that I've given him a name, I guess it kind of has to. Yeah. Um, it's that moment from from the gamers movie. Yes, I remember. <laughs> when it's oh, oh oh poor peasant whose land's been ravished and came to tell us about the orcs. What's your name? Oh crap! I forgot to give him a name. Uh. Willem. What's your last name? Defoe. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's that instance of, you know, coming up with things on the fly. It, it, sometimes, Which is really weird. interesting in a, a format where everything has to be kind of custom tailored to. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of, but it, it also makes it, it also makes a little bit freeing because, you know, because it's, it's a mostly modern setting, it's not a fantasy setting, really, um, you can you can use modern names. So if you know somebody whose yeah. name would fit, you just, like I did with Bob, it's like, oh, Bob Derringer. To clarify, I think it's one of the most interesting things about Call of Cthulhu is one of the biggest difficulties in any role-playing setting is how well do people know the world. Yeah. Um, you know, we were playing a World of Warcraft session, and we have knowledges from nil to obsessive. Yeah. On how well do people know the world. And so, and this is every world except Call of Cthulhu, it's Earth. Yeah. And you're not supposed to know about the Eldritch Horrors yeah. that like the, lurk the, beneath. The only special knowledge you might have coming into it is knowledge of Lovecraftian horror. And in game, that knowledge isn't available to you. So you don't have to know it. You're supposed to learn as you go. Yeah. <clears throat> the only person on whom there is any onus to know extra knowledge is the keeper. And honestly, he can make up most of it. And he can make it up as he goes. Because Lovecraftian horror is very malleable. Yeah, because Lovecraft 
while being a, you know sort of a, the the creator of a genre, was kind of terrible at writing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's let's cut to the chase. Lovecraft, great ideas. He's an ideas guy. He's an ideas man. Uh, his work, to put it simply, his work flourishes when in the hands of other writers. Um, He's like, this creature can't be named. You just gave it a name. Yeah, but you can't <laughs> say it. Yeah, things like that. Um, but, I mean, he's still still very influential, uh, he, important writer. He, he had great ideas. He had great concepts. His He redefined the horror genre. Yeah. And, and no, just, no discredit. He just was not the best writer of his own subject. Person understanding the English language. Yeah, he was. He was not the best English writer. Um, but like I said, it, it, it makes for a fascinating world, and it, it makes for a very malleable thing. Uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, the individual things that happened in the session happened based on your character's secrets. Um, that's why I, that's why I had you all come up with the secrets so that there were there would be things that would be important. To your character, not necessarily referencing the secret directly, but that that would make you like yours. Uh, Holly's was referencing her secret directly. Yours was referencing a side effect of your secret. Um, yeah, which would you know affect your characters in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Williams was the hardest because his secret was very. Eh. Uh, his secret was that he was a robber baron. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was trying to remember. Yeah, his, his his character was a robber baron. It's something that is not as personally. It's yeah, it's not something as personally haunting as having been part of the sacking. As, as having as having burned down the entirety of Atlanta and most or, of Georgia. Yeah, or murdering your father. And Camille's then, was difficult too. Then uh, becoming a serial killer. Yeah, Camille's was difficult too, but he had less time to consider his. So, mm-hmm. um, but in the end, I think they were they were all. They were all very interesting characters. And it worked fine made. because Holly and I had the lowest sanity scores. Yeah, it's true. Which, it, to clarify... It worked well for my character. Dying yeah. in Call of Cthulhu is not necessarily dying. You can also lose sanity points. And go insane. Much like you would hit points. Well, it's also, that's, a fun, that's a fun aspect. That's something I really wanted to toy around with was, was making folks lose sanity because I knew that would be... And you did. Yeah. That would be the thing that was the most new aspect for all of you because I don't know if we've ever played any other system that, that that actually tracks how sane you are in that manner the only game I've ever played that does that is the Wheel of Time game yeah there, there is a, a mad but it's it's but it's madness not insanity which is a little different it's a it operates similarly but it's much more mechanical yeah it's much less much less story driven I mean it, it is it's not triggered by things that happen on the DM's call. It's triggered by charts and what level are you and how powerful a manifester are you. Yeah. Or are you a wolf brother? Yeah. Um, whereas this is something where, oh, you guys are having a pleasant conversation. Everyone make a luck roll. All right, you go do a thing. <laughs> um, which is, is, is there in order to make those... It's a mechanic that's there to make those set piece moments out of horror movies actually happen because if you think about it logically as a player which everybody approach everybody always approaches the game from a logical perspective you would never separate yourself to go investigate a mysterious sound you would alert everybody else to the sound and go as a group but if you are you know if you roll a poor luck roll 
you hear a sound that intrigues you and you don't think about it. And the, the keeper says, yeah, you didn't think about letting people know. You just went. And to be cl- to clarify, your luck is basically your maximum sanity. Yeah. Your 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 luck is based off of your sanity. So It has very little to do with that. actual luck and much more to do with... Well, I mean, it's still a lu- it still is a luck roll. All the rolls are luck rolls, theoretically. Yeah. Um... So yeah, it, it, it also it also deals. It, it, there are also other things that luck happens, like the the stairs breaking underneath you was actually just there were there were five broken stairs in that in that at five at previously broken stairs in that staircase. You had five chances to fall through it, and you fell through twice. And 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 then, I and then there once. was the rail. Yeah, oh, yeah. There were five broken stairs in the rail. Those were the <sighs> six chances that you had to injure yourself on the stairs. That wasn't anything evil or horror, or you know, that was just poor workmanship. But I loved how everything else you guys had experienced fed into the idea that it was a haunted house, and that it was the house actually trying to kill you. At that point, when it really was just you stepped a little too hard on the stair. Well, there was all that dried blood. <laughs> there was that too. Was it which... dried blood? Or... Oh, I'm sorry. Was it fresh blood? <laughs> no, it was. It was ink. No, it was coal. I'm gonna hit you in a charcoal. minute. So one of the things that one of the things that manifested in the house, everybody there, everybody had separate experiences in the same room, which is uh, an aspect of Glocky, um, where he he manipulates your 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 mind using magic, um, and everybody saw different things in the house. You'll notice that after you defeated Hoster and the ritual stopped. After you stopped the ritual beneath the house, all of that went away. It was no longer important because uh, the the idea behind that was Glocky was was trying to disrupt the servants of the servants of Hoster mm-hmm. to to turn them into his servants. Yeah, that's why the house through which his servants were going to uh, to you know pray to to Haster uh, was so magically confusing. It was it was a trap. It wasn't a trap meant for you guys, though. You guys just stumbled into it, um, which I thought was fascinating. There was another couple of secrets that you guys missed um, that you could have gone to see. Uh, the cave entrance, the cave entrance that was filled with water, was another way into the into the big Haster place. I figured. And there was yet another entrance that you could get to through the shack, the shack that had the yellow sign on it. Uh, if you had investigated, like the one in his dream. Yeah. Uh, if you had investigated in the inside of the shack a little bit more thoroughly, you would have found a trap door that would have led down. Um, and you wouldn't have had to go through the house at all. So, it was inter- it's interesting the, 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 the various different paths that all lead to the same point that you guys had uh, options for. But I've talked a lot about Call of Cthulhu. We've all talked a lot. It's okay. Uh, well, I say we all. I say me and Austin both have have been doing talking. Somebody here hasn't been talking very very much Sorry. though. So we're gonna turn it over to Holly. Oh dear. You want to talk about? Is this something you'd like to talk about uh, in in scary stories and games? Yeah. Um. I'm. Excuse me. I'm not much of a gamer. I'm recently getting into video games. Uh. But one that I've become obsessed with is Five Nights at Freddy's. You may have heard of this game before. It's, it's kind of a thing right now. Um. I, I mainly just know about the first one because I'm I'm going to play that one soon and then once I get past that I'm going to tackle the others. And if you want to watch if you want to watch John lose everything. 
Join in this I Saturday. Hope so. <laughs> it depends on what. I'm not sure what time that's going to be yet. So it'll be happening Saturday. I'm not sure what time Saturday. All right. Uh, but Saturday we will be doing Five Nights at Freddy on the stream at twitch.tv slash Sensaku. I'm not sure what time yet, though. So, what I really love about that is it seems very simple when you're playing it, that you're just trying to stay alive. But when you really dig into it, there's there's a really good backstory and there have been a lot of different theories to it and everything, and the backstory is more terrifying than the actual jump scares that it gives you. So what is, what is for those that might not know, what is Five Nights at Freddy's? Um, Five Nights at Freddy's is a game where you're basically a security guard at a really disturbing Chuck E. Cheese type place. Particularly terrifying um, for me because my new job is being a security guard. At a, at a not place a, called not, Freddy? Not, not oh. at a check, but being a security guard. Oh, okay. Just, <laughs> just wondering. If, if you get any mysterious this... phone calls on your first night about animatronics, just, just leave. Just, just, just leave. Just leave. Just leave. Which is what this person should have done in the first place. Just just say no. Yeah, continue. Um, so yes, sketchy animatronics, security yeah, guard. Ske- yeah, sketchy animatronics, which honestly, these things look sketchy in daylight. I don't get why people actually would have their birthday. Have you seen Chuck E. Cheese animatronics? Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Children children are usually amused by sketchy things. All right. Well. Especially white panel vans with candy on the side. My van is not white panel. (laughs) I didn't say it was. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) A little insecure there, huh, Charleston? It is sketchy, and it has contained candy several times. It's not white panel. Anyway, basically you're trying to stay alive because these things are trying to shove you in one of the suits. And the suits have all sorts of wiring and stuff that will like electrocute you and, you know, really You may, you may not fit in one piece. Y- yeah, r- really hurt if they shove you into it. So, so that's the basic concept uh, what's what's different about it is that you're not act- you can't actually move. You're just controlling the cameras, so you can't actually move around there. You just look at the cameras on where they are, and you have to save your power because you have to last all night. So you can't just sit there with the doors shut for the entire time, because hmm. that would not be a good game. <laughs> close the doors. Close lock the doors. <laughs> I live in this room. Just wait it out. <laughs> For five nights. That's that's just not much. That's not much. How fun. long can you keep the doors closed? Uh, as long as your power will hold out. Now, you eat up power by switching to different cameras as well. So what if, at the beginning of the night, you just closed the doors and didn't do anything? How long would your, how long would your doors stay closed? I'm not sure. Um, Probably about midnight? No, you start at midnight. You start at midnight. You start at midnight and you go to 6 a.m., so you only have to survive for six hours. But... Keeping both the doors closed takes up the most power out of everything. So, which seems counterintuitive, you know. You wouldn't make once, it once pass. the doors are once the doors are closed. You forget they just stay. But there. But they're magnetically sealed, so they're, ele- they're they're sealed by electromagnets. That's what prevents them from opening. You could just close them, turn off the electromagnets, Shh. and they would stay closed. But then they could be opened by the animatronics. Yeah, if they thought Willful to open it. Willful suspension of disbelief. If, if they thought to open it. But if they see a closed door that looks like a wall, wouldn't they just ignore it? They're out for blood. But they don't know the blood's there. There's a window. 
they they what There's what stops no them from window. punching? There isn't. No. I'm lying. I'm lying like, to what, all of what you. What stops them from punching through the window then? No, you've got kind of a window thing, but it's it's like to the hallway. It's not like okay. outside. It's that's where you also can use your lights because you can't if they are right outside the door. In certain places, you can't see from the cameras, and you have to use your side lights, and that also takes a power. Everything you do takes a power. So basically, moving, looking, anything. So it's a resource is management take a power. game. Mm-hmm. Why does this? Why does this building have such a faulty power grid? There's actually a long backstory for that. Oh yeah. Do you, do you remember the backstory for that? Right. What the? Why they have a faulty power grid that the fuzzy lose power doing everything? The, the 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 backstory is that once upon a time there's a security guard who worked there who's a college student, oh. and he was terrified because they had a bunch of break-ins, and so he installed <laughs> magnetically sealing doors, um, on on the things, and the guy's like this these are really energy inefficient because they were made by a college student, um you can't do these so he brought in a car battery, to power them. The car battery powers all the security cameras and lights in the building, too? He hooked up the room's uh, electricity to that. So It doesn't the... power the rest of the building. It only powers your room. But you use power when you look at the security cameras that are being powered off of the rest of the building. The, the, you, you, you're, the, the security, cam- security cameras are always going. You're looking at the screen. You're turning the screens on. Okay. It's okay. your screens, your lights, and the doors. So your whole room is powered by a car battery? Yes. And they didn't fix this ever. Why? Because Freddy Fassbender is a terrible boss, and a cheap steak. One... I thought Fassbender was the was the bear. Well, Freddy is the bear, but Fassbender's it's named the owner. after the owner. Okay, okay. I, as also people do to clarify, the game is not designed to be super deep. It's designed to be. Resource management jump scares. I know this yeah. is this is just me picking. This is me nitpicking. <laughs> you know what's going to be made into a movie? Seriously? Yes. The most boring movie I ever. No, there. No, there is a good backstory to this. <laughs> it's just a guy sitting behind a desk watching the monitors. Click, no, click. no, I kicking don't, the car battery every once in a while. That <laughs> click, 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 click. Oh shit! Clank. <laughs> I would watch it. <laughs> I will watch that. Like, just a tripod with a high-definition camera on top of it. That's a sketch. We need to write this down. Like, click, click. I've seen the beginning of the <laughs> them making the animatronics for it. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, hey. That sounds like it's going to be fun. It's something I'm going to go see. Probably by <laughs> myself, but it's something I'll go see. Maybe you can get Katie to go with you. Possibly. Not me. <laughs> hey, John. So, so, <laughs> so, so, what, so what, about, what about the backstory do you like? Um, I just like when you, when you're in the game, you see like different things that just give you hints about the backstory. Like you see clippings of newspaper that talk about five children that went missing and. And there's five animatronics, right? There's. There's four that you see, but then there is the Golden Freddy, which scares the bejeebies out of me. <laughs> so the idea that's is the that only these, one that actually these idea is that these animatronics are possessed by the children that died. 
for listening? There, there are many different ideas. There, I believe the canon is that the, the children kids... were chopped up and their body parts were used to make the animatronics. Now, for Golden Freddy, what's believed is that it's actually the body of the phone guy that calls you. Because he calls you the first three nights. On the third night, you hear him. You hear, like, pounding, and you hear him screaming. Like, he, he died. What? He was shoved into a suit. And so it is assumed that he was sub- shoved into Golden Freddy. Uh. But that's, that's one theory. Other theories are that he was shoved into, was it Chica, the chicken that I think is a duck? So, it's, um, so what you're saying is the story of the game is told through clippets that you build together and mm-hmm. piece together. And, and so it's very open-ended in allowing you to basically go, go wild and create different theories. Okay. Yeah. Oh. That's... So it's like, it's a Dark Souls style storytelling. Yes. Which we're, is... we're, going, we're going to put a lot of rich detail into all the little nooks and crannies and mm-hmm. you, you can piece together everything you want to. Okay. That, I mean, that sounds like an interesting concept. It sounds like it would be a really fun uh, setting for like a Call of Cthulhu campaign. Uh, where the, 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 the animatronics are actually eldritch horrors. Uh, possessed and attached to these animatronic suits, and that's why the place went under. What about the later games? Because I know, like, uh, I know uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, like, three is set 100 years in the future. These I don't know as much about. Um, I know that the second one, uh, at least night six of the second one, is 1987, which is one of the... That was... This one I haven't looked as much into. Um, It was something to do with the Fox animatronic. Mm-hmm. Where he like bit like the frontal lobe off of someone's brain or something like that. So and, and you, that is, is when are you the phone guy said. in the second one? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I again I don't know. I've yeah. only recently yeah. started watching yeah. Let's Plays for the second one. I don't know as much about it. It's the first one that I've that you that you know I, the most about. I, I yeah. know that one, and then I'll dive into the second one. So I'm taking these one at a time. Well, I think another element to to. This sort of thing is is it's sort of the mundaneness. Everybody's seen and been freaked out by an animatronic at one point or another, like as a small child. Yeah. I mean, animatronics, they're just freaky looking. Well, they don't have to be freaky looking. It's just the idea no, that they are they are freaky looking, but not intentionally. <laughs> it's the uncanny valley. Uh, it's it's this thing that look it looks like one thing, but doesn't move like it. Yeah, uh, it yeah. moves like another thing, which is 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 that's that's part of why zombies are so inherently creepy. Like that, but as a concept, not the, and they've been done to death, so we're used to them now. But if you think about like a zombie as a concept, it's a, it looks like a person, but it doesn't move like a person, and that it doesn't behave like a person, and that's part of what makes them so creepy. Um, it's the it's the it's the perversion of the known mm-hmm. into the unknown, and that's that's a running theme in in Lovecraftian horror all the time is the perversion of the unknown into the, the perversion of the known into the unknown, um, and then the 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 absence of knowledge regarding something is also particularly scary. So you've got both of these. You know, you're you're in Five Nights at Freddy's. You're a character who doesn't know anything about the situation when you first arrive. So the absence of knowledge is one part of your sphere. Then there's the uh, the perversion of the known, with the animatronics being something you're familiar with, but they're behaving in ways that they shouldn't. And then there is the 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 threat of of what they'll what they'll do. Presented at the very beginning of the game, 
being shoving you into a mechanical suit that will kill you. And I feel like another element of it is having a story that you're allowed to piece together from background basically makes you create your own worst nightmare. Yeah. It makes you create a story in your head and you will inevitably create a story. Yeah. yeah. You, we, uh, a, a content creator cannot make something scarier to you personally than you can make yourself. You will always be your own worst fear. And that is, you know, so, so that minimalist storytelling allows you to do that to yourself. That's a very big, it's a very big uh, motif in Japanese horror is letting you scare yourself. Um, and, and it seems like it works, I guess, in, in this particular instance. At the very least, the animatronics are creepy. Yes. Super creepy. Um, so yeah, there, there, there are these elements of, of the, the known being perverted into the unknown, the, 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 uh, the, the, the outsider coming in as, as something else to, to, to something thoroughly foreign to your knowledge, uh, also being creepy. And that, those are also running themes in another series of games that I've played and that, that Austin has played, uh, which is called the Trilby Saga, which was created by uh, Yahtzee Croshaw. Uh, who many people know as uh, the the person who does zero punctuation on the Escapist website or the Escapist magazine website. Uh, so, want to talk about Trilby? Austin? Yes, Trilby is a point and click. Well, every game runs off of a different engine or a different engine setup, but they're essentially point and click adventure games uh, that are sprite based, done in the style of the old LucasArts or Sierra adventure games from the early nineties. One of them's a parser, one of them's a point and yeah, click. Yeah, one of them's parser, one of them point and click, one of them's a half and half, and one of them's bad. Um, and, and so, what these games are is, there, there are four games in, this, in the series. Uh, the first game, which is the introductory game, is uh, Five Days a Stranger. And you start as, as, a, as a master thief who gets locked in a house. And this is one of those the house is trying to kill you things. Um, and it's one of those ones where at first it's kind of ambiguous. Am I just locked in a house with a serial killer or is it, 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 it really plays a line between supernatural and not supernatural until the point where it hits you in the face. Oh, this isn't something I know, but it, it builds up to it really well. It doesn't make it obvious from the beginning that it is uh, supernatural. The only, the only real problem with that one is that once it builds up to it, it goes ahead and willingly dives off the leap of logic. Uh, oh, supernatural things are real. Okay, let me go grab this magic book of black magic and cast a spell. Yeah. <laughs> um, w- once your character overcomes a struggle, you're like, okay, well, I guess all of these random voodoo rituals that I've seen lying around I need to perform now. Yeah, and it, it, it does fa- fail, fa- falter from the traditional adventure game. Oh well, now that I know the black magic is real, I'll just perform all the black magic, and eventually it'll work. Yeah, it it, it, it sort of the the leaps of logic are the pretty much the same, pretty much the same as the classic '90s leaps of logic that they used in various other games. Yeah. and um, one of the most interesting things though is combining adventure games with horror, because this is the first one I've seen that's really gone full horror. Well, um, I had my mouth and I must scream. Yeah. And that that was more of a, that was more, I don't know, did you ever play that one? No. That was more psychological. 
Uh, that was more I, very much. If if you're looking for a good horror point and click adventure game, I have no mouth and I'm a scream fits the bill. Um, it's very much a uh, semi Lovecraftian, semi yeah. uh, L. Ron Hubbard uh, style of horror story. But the intriguing thing about Trilby is, to play adventure games, you have to be able to think long and hard about things. In horror, particularly Western style horror, which is very much what it is, it's you know possessions and bloody murders and everything and it's sprite based so it's not like gory graphic bloody murders but it you know is violent deaths being strung up by a meat hook and thrown into a swimming pool um impedes your ability to think rationally sometimes when it's like huh i have to find a solution to this guy in a welding mask and a blacksmith's apron coming at me with a machete with a time limit yeah so, it creates a very unique set of, cha- set of challenges. Um, the first one is is fully parser. Not fully, it's not fully, it's, it's fully mouse control. Yeah, point sorry, point, mouse control, which helps a little bit because when in doubt, you can just frantically click everything. Um, but it, it tells an interesting story. And the first one by itself is just whatever. It's stereotypical horror game. The second one. Likewise, it's set in the future. You're on a spaceship, and the second one freaked me out the most. Really? Yeah, the second one, uh, which is uh, Seven Days of Skeptic, uh, freaked me out the most out of all the games because the uh, the the monster could appear anywhere, yeah, at any time, and he was much quicker than he was in the first one. Yeah, in the first yeah. one, he only appeared in specific rooms. In the first one, the monster was one of your crewmates. Or no, one, one, one of the people of the locked in the house with you. Yeah. And so if you knew everybody in the house was, you kind of had an idea of how it was going to work. And once you figured it out, it was much easier. The thing about Seven Days, a skeptic is, you know in the first one that it's related to this, this uh, wooden idol. The second one, you don't find the wooden idol until the very end. And even once you find the idol, it's too late. Yeah. The monster has been Frankenstein together from the body parts of your slain crewmates. Yeah. Um, and it's it's it just it's the, the the pacing of the whole thing. The idea that I'm trapped in this small ship. Yeah. It's not like the first game where it's like, well, I could just climb I, yeah, so, I so, really so, should to, be able to climb this wall. To clarify, you are in, in the first one you're in Defoe Manor. You're you are Trilby, the gentleman thief in Defoe Manor, uh locked in with with a handful of other survivors with a handful of other people that also got locked in. Um, the second game, you're, you're in deep space yeah. on a five-person science ship. You are the psychologist. Um, and it's really... it's Well, here's why you can't go anywhere, because there's nowhere to go. You're yeah. in deep space. There is no light speed. Yeah. This would be Voyagers left the solar system. Yep. And so it, it it creeped me out mostly because of the concept, mm-hmm. and because again in the first game the the monster could only show up in a couple of in a couple of rooms. The, the first game was very much restrained by Earth realism. Yeah, the whereas in this one he can show up anywhere at any time from any door. And also one of the biggest things and is, the time was randomized. Yeah, it was randomized, and everything is connected by a single elevator shaft. Yeah, you had to hope you did not get that thing between you and the elevator shaft. Yeah, so he could come out of the elevator at you. Yeah, and then you had to play a merry chase. 
Well, you run back out, run back in, and you'd be gone. But it it was just it was very tense and very and freaked me out a whole lot. Yeah. The third game. The third game, Trilby's notes. Well, real quick note: the second game, the best part about it was the ending, because at the very end, you learn that your character is not who he's been claiming to be. He was claiming to be his own father, who was actually a psychologist who he shoved down a staircase and murdered in order to take his place on the ship so he could go into space. I just want to go into space. Which was not a good ending. That's the worst reason. It was a weird twist. It was a bad ending. And, and he's, admitted, he's admitted as much that it was not a good, well-written ending. It was a weird twist, but it had a lot of, I think it had a lot of potential, but they never addressed it at any point in the game, and they didn't address it until the fourth game. Which was bad. It's one of the things that played him well with the whole saga. Did not play him well with... On its own. On its own. I just want to... And that was his actual line was, I just wanted to go to space. That was the line. Really? Yeah, that was the actual written dialogue line. All caps. Like cap lock. Yeah. Eight-year-old tantrum. I just wanted to go into space. When he was confronted about the murder of his father by the people who came to rescue him. And also, he's the only survivor on the ship. Mm-hmm. So conveniently, everybody else is dead by some ancient space monster that he that he jettisoned out the lock, or that he threw into the that, that he whose whose wooden idol he threw into the engines, and then the authorities come to save him, and oh, then they and arrest. He, he yeah. impaled this creature that was made up of the sewn parts of his crewmate on the ship's antenna. So yeah. on the ship's antenna is no, that was um yeah yeah he did that's right that's right yeah he did. so on the ship's antenna hanging out in front of the ship is. The sewn together pieces of his crewmates. Yep. Lovely. But enter third game. Third game, I think, was was my favorite. Um, and that's because... Because I, it was a parser game. It, it was parser. I love parser games. And <laughs> I don't... Jump scares aren't my thing. I don't... I don't get into them. They don't affect me as much. The third game was really good because it was... Less jump scare and more investigation. What's really going on underneath all of it? I think the hotel turning from normal to Silent Hill was kind of a jump scare. I mean, eh. But it was more. It was more about the imagery and the perversion of turning a hotel into the Silent Hill version of the hotel. Yeah. Um, uh, those of you that don't know, basically, uh, whenever you say Silent Hill version of something, it's like Demon Realm version. Um, this this hotel that he was in... Uh, he, he was sent to investigate... Uh, Trilby, after the event of the first thing, basically lost it because he saw people murdered around him. And the other two survivors, because there were two other survivors, um, a young boy and a TV reporter, both sustained massive psychological damage. And it starts with the TV reporter having been murdered. Yeah. And he's got a lead on something going on at this hotel on the, an island. That may be related to it. That may be related. So he goes to this island, and there's two people alive on the island. That's it. There's still only two people there at all. Well, no, there's a convention of some kind there. And then at the hotel, he goes and he finds, like, there's a barman, and then there's there's the person, there's, like, the, the hotel manager, and then he finds these other two people that are there for a convention that's happening yeah. on the island. Um, specifically, the reason, actually, the reason he's going there is because somebody was selling the, somebody's selling artifacts from the Defoe Manor. Yeah, and someone's got the idol. Someone's got, someone's got the idol there, 
and they're selling other artifacts in the Fomander. He's going there to retrieve the idol. That's it. And he's working as a so he's working as sort of a uh, a, a um, paranormal investigator for the government. Yeah. At this point, um, and, and this this is where you learn the story of okay, what connects these two games? What is this idol? And this is where you get like this Cthulian creature. And the series of tragedies that went behind it, and it's—I'm not going to try to summarize the entire story of the idol because it is such, yeah, such. But a, but this is another one of those things where like the the house, the actual the island itself is trying to kill you. Yes. Um. It there these things that happened many many years ago, back in the days of you know back in medieval England times, uh, that started this chain of events that leads to where we are now. Um, also. This is a spoiler, but it has my favorite solution ever. Which one? Die. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the one of the one of the, you're being sacrificed to release the the prince of pain into the world, and you have to be alive. Pain so elemental. It, no, not the pain elemental. His avatar. Oh, yeah, the his, prince his, of pain. Yeah, his avatar. Um, who you also learned about, but basically, you, you've been shot and stabbed. You've been shot. You've been shot, not stabbed. I thought you've been stabbed too. I think you've been both. I think you've been shot. I think and you stabbed. you were stabbed. You were covered and you were shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, regardless, you're bleeding you, out. You, right you, now. You're tied up, but you're alive. And it's like basically we're going. You we need we need you we need your life to sacrifice to this. And so what you specifically do specifically your pain. You you need your pain in your life. And so what you do literally is you stop breathing and you bleed out. And you can't be yes sacrificed because you're already dead. Yeah, you yeah. die before the sacrifice finishes. Oh, uh, which is a, it. it's a really clever it's a really clever puzzle that a lot of people didn't get uh, because it's not obvious at all. I actually got it instantly. Did you really? Yeah, it was like, wait, because he he emphasizes you're too stubborn to die. You know, if a normal person would have died from that, but you're too stubborn, which is good because we need you alive. And I'm like, well, you need me alive. Die. No, oh, that worked. That was one of the more obtuse puzzle options for a lot of people. I also grew up on Sierra Adventure Games. <laughs> obtuse is in my nature. You grew up. You grew up being vindictive against games. What is? Well, I'll just die and not solve your puzzle. Oh wait, that was the solution to the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. But that was. Yeah, it was. A, it's a, that. I think Trophy's notes probably the most interesting of the group. Probably the best best story. It's the best. It's the best told. It's the best story. They they go a lot. I I like it because they explain why. I love the why. Yeah. And who? Um. The first game is very generic. And then at the end, Trilby jettisons the idol in space. Which was not the best plan, but also how? I think they explain how, but it's like really. That one was kind of a leap. Um. No, the leap was the entire. Higher fourth game. True. Then there was a fourth game. Where they were like, we're going to stitch together the plot holes. Yeah. Stitch, stitch, stitch. And he stitch, says stitch. they, this was a one-man development team. Yes. It was just Yahtzee. And the story was fine. The way they told it was bad, and Trilby clones should not have existed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it stitched together, it stitched together the whole storyline... And you know, sort of retold all the pieces that we were missing, and and showed that the the whole game, you know, sort of put put the game in order, um, and tied up all the loose ends, and resolved it all the. Did issues. have a great ending. 
was a was a, yeah it was a good ending. Um, the, the 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 Prince of Pain twist at the end where the Prince of Pain was actually fighting against the Pain Elemental, which was his overlord, who was the Cthulian monster. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, that's a, it, also it's a very good story. And, to clarify, I know this is really probably notes. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. Is it great. hurts is a great one. Um, so those are those are those are a few scary stories in video games. Which this is coming from a group of people who don't typically do horror. Yeah. Um, the reason I like the Trilby Saga is because I mean, there's so much Holly story. Does, but I do horror. Yeah, Holly yeah, she does, does horror. I just don't usually do games, but. Holly does horror, well, not games. Video games. Well, I'm I'm starting to get into them. It was this whole childhood thing of not being allowed to play video games as a child. Yeah, because games my, will breed violence, but watching my, horror my movies won't. My parents never allowed me to play them. Yeah. So it's not like this is a choice. Yeah. No, it's fine. So I'm just now getting into games, so. But anyway, um, my typical genre is, the other thing is a lot of a lot of horror games are set in modern eras, and I, I'm, 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 big into fantasy and fantasy horror is and it's because it's like i was saying earlier it's the perversion of the familiar you you can't you can't pervert something that's familiar if it's not familiar yeah or, or, <laughs> or the lovecraftian horror relies on things that are out of place yeah in a world where you can throw fireballs and raise the dead and zombies are a thing seeing somebody that you know died Oh, someone cast resurrect on him. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have the effect. Or ghosts are a thing. That's fine. It doesn't have the impact that it has. And so it's really in a hard setting. Yeah, to create a fantasy horror game. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There are many. There are many examples of and, horror, in and fantasy. it doesn't have to be a horror game yeah. to have aesthetics developed by the horror industry. Yeah, there are. Like I said, there are, there are many examples of of horror tropes and horror aspects in fantasy games. In D anD D, there you have beholders and death tyrants and Ill- illithids who I- are illithids, basically yeah. let's put Cthulhu's face on something that sucks out your brain and takes over your mind. Yeah, uh, illithids are, are illithids are uh, mind you know, flayers. Mind flayers are just they are Cthulhuian. You know, Lovecraftian yeah. horrors in D anD D. I mean, they they even wear like gem studded robes and and it, green is a big color with them, and they have the tentacle face, um, and the bat wings. Uh, and and other fantasy games, you know, you'll you'll deal with people doing horrific things in a more in a more realistic setting. Um, you'll have people messing with the the more personal aspects of your character. To, to sort of create a sense of fear or a sense of tension that you could get out of a horror game, but not 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 to the same level. Yeah. Um, that that more comes from having a good GM though that knows how to mess with the players um, in specific ways to their character, and it comes from having characters that care when you mess yeah. with them. So it's a lot easier to mess with the paladin than than it is the barbarian. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to mess with you know the 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 mother figure. Than it is with the uh, the the drunk, you know. Yes, it's a yeah. You know, the drunk's you already been me messed when with. You said mother figure. Yes. Okay. But what we're saying the is, character, you play a lot of mother figures. I, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you're right. Never you mind. play a lot of mother figures. Never mind. But, uh, <laughs> Never mind. but there, there's <laughs> also I count them out. No, no, it, it's good. Horror Sorry. has a very <laughs> defined aesthetic. One game that John is really excited for with a horror game aesthetic. Kingdom Death Monster. Oh, I wasn't going to take that away from you. 
so so yeah, so, so the horror aesthetic can be applied to, or the horror elements can be applied to games that aren't necessarily horror games themselves. Kingdom Death Monster is not a horror game. It's not. It's a survival game. Um, to clarify, survival and horror have very interesting similarities. They do, and they have if, similar connotations. If you look at, uh, oh, what is it, like something below? But it's, it's basically you get trapped in the Canadian waste and you survive. Oh, no, that's um, The Long Dark. Long Dark. It's not technically a horror game, it's a survival game. But it has... There's a lot of tension in it. It has a lot more tension and suspense just by nature of... The suddenness in which you can die, or yeah. the suddenness where you can twist an ankle and oh my goodness, how am I going to yeah. get firewood and food? Yeah, survival is just that. You're trying to survive, which by itself can be scary because we as humans are bred to survive. That's our that's our that's our number one instinct is survive. Number two is reproduce. It says something when it's when something when when for humans something is more important than having sex. That's living. So it's very important to us at a very base level, and the threat of the threat of that being taken away is very inherently scary to us. Which is why survival horror is a genre that gets used a lot, uh, because that's the easiest way to scare humans is to threaten their life. And, and part of the big thing about survival horror versus regular horror is inevitable is not is. The inability to defeat something. You yes. can't defeat it. You simply have to survive it. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of games, the motifs are struggling to overcome something. This isn't overcoming anything. This is just... Just getting away from getting it. Getting Or getting through, through it. it. Um, so Kingdom Death Monster is a survival game. With a heavy leaning on aesthetic of heart. Um, the dark is a big thing in, in, in Kingdom Death Monster because... Uh, your light, you know, you start the game with a with a sharp stone and a lantern, and that's it. And there is no light. There's no sun. The world is nothing but darkness. And in the darkness are the monsters. The darkness itself is a mon- is the monster. And you have to build a civilization and survive and thrive against the dark, and- against the monsters, with only a lantern to light your way. And that, you know, sort of the the darkness is another one of those big things that humans are just innately born to fear. Which is, it's the unknown. Yeah. If you lose a sense, um, it's, it really concerns you. If, you lo- if you've ever had an incident where you've lost your hearing for a second, it's, it's, it's unsettling. Very disconcerting. Yeah. Or if you've been in an incident where you've lost your vision for a moment, or for a moment or two. Or honestly... The sensation of going numb or not being able to move. I don't know how many people have been completely paralyzed before. It's not fun. But it's freaky. Yeah. Um, so that that's sort of the unknown, the inability to do anything against this overwhelming darkness is a very common horror trope that's being put to very good effect in Kingdom Death Monster. Um, even though it's not a... It's, it's, it's not a horror game which is part of what makes it so effective it's a board game to be horror and that what that's what builds part of the suspense they're they're using horror to i often find i often find that horror elements in a non-horror game tend to be more effective than when it's in a straight horror game because in a straight horror game you're trying to scare me 
in a not straight in a not horror game, you're not scaring me. The world is scaring me on its own. And and part of the other advantage is you talk about perverting the familiar. In a horror game, everything is perverted. So if, there's nothing familiar. Yeah. When you take like one of my favorite games, Quest for Glory Four, was a game series, and the fourth game they made Lovecraftian. You knew the universe and you knew the rules. You knew how everything worked and all of a sudden they're changing the rules on you and things are getting weird. Yeah. It makes it much more effective than if they'd just been like, let's make a Lovecraftian point-click adventure. Yeah. Now, we, we, we were talking about horror tropes a minute ago. There's Somebody here is very familiar with horror tropes. Somebody here so, watches horror movies. Because somebody here watches horror movies. Hmm. Only a few. A million. <laughs> You want, to, you want to talk about the horror tropes? Sure. The the ones that the ones that are the most effective and the ones that bother you the most. Good. Uh, the number one that bothers me the wor- the the most. Sorry, I can't talk. Is the uh, slice them, dice them horror films where you take a movie and you basically have someone with a hockey mask walking around stabbing people. So like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Where the, the horror is just how... Not even Friday the 13th. Ones that you see nowadays where they're just Saw. making... Yes, Saw. Saw's a good one. And where they're just making movies just to try to make money. So, body horror. Yes. That's the thing that you don't like. Yeah. Now, some body horror's okay. A, a movie with some of it is okay, but a movie based entirely A, a movie where all of the horror is just... Mutilating people. Yes, it's just mutilating people. That just I need more story. I need I'm I'm more into the suspense mystery of it. The thrillers. Yes. Yeah, I'm into the the thrillers. The the gore is the chief scare. Yes. Okay. No, what 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 is one of the most effective tropes you would say? One of the most effective tropes. For you at least. Because for Um, me it's jump scares. Well, jump scares are Suspense. Which is like the build up, building up suspense. The build up, yeah. Because okay. that, that gets me more than the jump scare itself. Yeah. Jump scares get... Because that's when you know it's going to happen. The, 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 the inevitability of you know it's coming and you don't mm-hmm. know when. Which is probably why I like Five Nights at Freddy. Yes, that's why yeah. I love Five Nights at Freddy's. So. Jump scares, the, the reason jump scares get me is because I'm very reactionary. Because I I, 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 have a very, I have a very control-oriented personality. I like to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and that I made it happen. Um, which is why I, I like strategy games. Um, and so when, with, with, with the way, jump scares are just, it's an element of randomness that is just in my face. Well, and you literally have a brainstem reaction. Yeah. You don't it's a fight, get to it's think about it. It's my instant fight or flight. It's the same way that two guys, one camera are funny. You yeah. Don't, you don't have time to think about it. Yeah. You don't have time to think about it. Um, and so that irritates me because it, because it is, and mostly because it goes immediately into my fight or flight and my instinct is always to fight. I, when, when, when I get hit with fight or flight, very rarely is flight the option I choose. You get angry. I get angry. And that's why they make me mad because I get angry. <laughs> um... Like the, the like jump scares make me angry. And it also irritates me because it's lazy. It's the same thing as as the, the blood and 
the blood and slasher. Yeah, like a jump scare is probably the laziest thing you can do. Because all it's doing is opening a door in front of somebody. That said, Spooky's Huts of Jump Scares, yes. Please buy. Ah. Oh, we need to get you to play that. Sp- I've seen it. No, Holly. Oh, uh, Holly? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Spooky's House of Jump Scares. The jump scares aren't the point, though. That's, no. Uh, I think that's, 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 part of the, that's part of the charm of that, though. Um, which, you know, if you, if you haven't played Spooky's House, House of Jump Scares, go ahead and, and watch somebody play it. Or get it for it. free. Yeah, because it is free. Um, it's, a, it's a charming little game. It's a charming little game, and, and the, the jump scares are not the actual scariness part of it. Uh, you find that out pretty quickly, and it's very. I think I think that's very effective. That, but that that's again, that's, it's, it's still a perversion of the familiar. It's, it, no, that's what it is. Yeah, it's just that the familiar thing is the jump scare now. Um, yeah. By the time you actually start getting scared, they what they do is they make you familiar with one aspect of the game very quickly, and then they change it, and that's what starts scaring you. So that that that's very that's probably the most effective way to do jump scares is to treat them as silly as they are. Well, and a few jump scares here and there is fine. Like when it when there's a moment when there's suspense and you cut it unexpectedly. If you do a clever jump scare, there's clever ways to do jump yeah, scares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just you're walking through a house, "Oh, I'm a spooky ghosty." I still hate them even if they're cleverly done. But that's because it and that, that, that's a, because is, your nature. Is it that triggers the, the ghost makes. Yes. Oh, I'm a spooky ghost. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's because it triggers the fight or flight instinct in me, and I immediately go to fight. Yeah, and so it like it it just by by their very nature they make. I me have angry. an issue where the fight or flight subject will be like, oh, pretty. Austin doesn't have a fight or flight instinct. <laughs> yeah, he would not survive in the jungle. He'd not make it very far in a horse. I'd, I'd be debating with the tiger as it's trying to eat me. Be like, "Do you really? Are you really hungry? I don't want to hurt you. Um, can we talk about this over dinner of not me? <laughs> dinner of not me. Oh. Pacifist run. Um, you need to eat. Pacifist run. Okay. Bye. Pacifist run. Call of Cthulhu. Very easy. Oh, well, not very easy. Very possible. Very possible, yes. Whether or not it's easy or not is the question. Um, regardless. Um, you can say it. Are so, any so, other, so, other so, horror tropes that you want so, to talk so, about? Well, <laughs> sorry, we, we sort of took that from you, didn't we? We sort of took that from you. Just going to sit back here, have yeah. a drink. Are there, any other, are there any other horror tropes you'd like to talk about? Um, how they're used well, how they're misused. You're talking about one thing that bothered you, especially in, in the Scream movies, that's mm-hmm. in a lot of video games, too. The invulnerable monster. No, I can't even remember saying that. The, the, the monster that you, know, you, you stab him three times, they throw him down. All yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I'm Okay, I take back the slice and dice. Them. This is what bothers me the most. Because I have nightmares with this. Where you can throw the killer down two flights of stairs, stab him in the head, and he's still coming after you. And to clarify... He's, he's not anything special, right? He's just a human. No, that's... Okay, in the Scream movies, they are just humans. And that's the one, especially in the first Scream movie. Now, there were two killers, but both of them, you couldn't... Both of them survived till, like, almost the very end because you could not kill them. Weren't they... Wasn't that, like, the... 
the Scream movies were a parody of other horror movies. Yeah, parts of it were a parody was it, of other wasn't horror that, movies. Wasn't that aspect in particular part of that? They're, like, they're sort of parodying the Undying Monster? Uh, well, didn't we talk about how Scream did the parody so badly it just crossed into being what it was parodying? The problem is, I think in the first movie, mm-hmm. yes, but once they took it further into it, yeah. and once you went to like Scream 4 right now, that's... Well, yeah, that's that's one we've, we've talked about how you know you you parody so hard it's you become not. the thing you're parodying. Because <laughs> recently in Scream Four, that's one where the killer would not die. Yeah, and and it was extremely difficult. Well, and the other thing about and this thing's like Jason again, Jason, Freddy, your classic. You know uh, the Hellraisers. Mm-hmm. Um. And no, the no Hel- one pulls a shotgun out and shoots. Although the Hellraisers are demons, to be fair, and they're really funny. Like the 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 uh, the, the 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 like. There's one that's a CD player. It's a demon. It's a demon made out of a CD player, and he shoots like he shoots DVD discs at high speed. I'm getting a very interesting visual. Here. Like he he <laughs> shoots DVD. He like shoots CDs at high speed at at high at speed so high it slices people's heads off with like CDs. The the Cenobites got the Cenobites got silly uh, later in the Hellraiser series. So so you said the suspense was your favorite. What makes good suspense? Like what? How how does one build suspense? Um, part of it also is the story. I mean, I'm I'm all about the story and things, which is why I really enjoyed Call of Cthulhu. Which is why I like the Trilby Saga um, because it's 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 a horror game, but it's about the story. I'm I'm all about the story, and I feel that once you get into the story, um, forgetting the words I'm gonna say, uh, once you get into it, it's just more suspenseful. I'm sorry, I can't think. So, of so, so it, it's once you're invested. Once say. you're invested. Thank you. Yes. So so it's about there, there's no there's no cheap way into it. You it's. Step one, make you care about the story. Yes. Then step if two. If you don't care about it. So that then, is. I mean, I've seen people yeah. fall asleep in the middle of horror films. Oh, yeah, yeah. My father. So <laughs> that, that's sort of the classic uh, methodology of Japanese horror is, is making you care about a story and then, you know, sort of investing you into it mm-hmm. to build suspense. Japanese horror is all about suspense and tension. Um, it's, it's all about. Uh, you know, here's a character, here's what they're going through, and now here's what the world is doing to stomp on their face as much as possible. Um, and it, it, it sort of builds it up and builds it up. And a lot of times in Japanese horror, you'll never even see the monster until the very end, until it's actively stomping you in the face. Or you'll never see the monster. Yeah, or you'll just never see it. See, those are the ones I prefer. Yeah. When you never see the monster, because that leaves it up to your imagination, and as you were saying earlier, your imagination is scarier than anything that they could write. Exactly, and that, it also that's an easy that 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 is an easy way to get you invested. Mm-hmm. At the very, you know, it starts off with I just want to see what the monster looks like. I want to see what they've done, what they've made that's so scary, and then it, that by itself invests you in the story. Um, it's still not as, it's not as easy a scare as a jump scare, but. Yeah, so 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 I guess what we're saying here is is you like the not easy scares. Yes, you like the ones where they work for it. To really scare, to really truly scare me, like I'll I'll jump all over the place. Austin knows this, and it's hilarious. It is hilarious. But to really truly terrify me, 
It takes a lot. Or a fridge sound. Well, see, that okay, was... Okay, that's Sean's fault. That, that, <laughs> she was already invested. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no I that did that. Was, I, 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 and, she's invested in the and story. And that's something, I was playing that. I'm very, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. I'm... That's, that's the thing that I, that, that's... That that's my love of that particular style of storytelling showing through, where I make sure that you're invested before I throw the creepy thing at you. For the listeners, that's when we were playing Shadowrun. Yeah, we were playing Shadowrun, and they 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 run across some creepy stuff, and uh, their refrigerator made a noise. I was like, "That's the noise it made." Our refrigerator, by the way, at that point made a the, really groaning. Also, the creepy stuff were like mutilated baby heads and stuff. There were Frankens. There were people Frankenstein together. Yes, and the one I was facing was like a, normal, a baby. Head. Well, yeah, the head was a baby. And like, y- yes. Yeah. And, and then the refrigerator made that noise, and John was like, "And that's the noise it's making." And I hated John forever because every time our refrigerator made that noise. Thankfully, <laughs> we're not living there anymore. We don't have the refrigerator. Yeah. Hated me forever. She says. And then, and then yesterday, uh, you know, her her character's father showed up to haunt her. You know, <laughs> like like it happens. That's not the reason I hated you. Uh, I, I, I am. So so yeah, that that's loud and on the podcast now. Um, welcome to Creekville, welcome, Population William. Welcome to Creekville, to Population William stuff. Anyways, um, so that's gonna get edited out. No, it probably won't. <laughs> We're lazy. I don't have time to. I don't have time to find this one part in the thing and edit. So let's use that as a crowbar transition. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so, so one of the things we talk about tropes. We've talked about it a lot already. But Lovecraft. When when we talk when you talk about horror, Lovecraft is one of the de facto horror genres right now. Um, and it's it's not a popular. It's not a a trend as in something's going on right now. It's been going on for decades you know you look at its influence on D from the 70s um its influence on video games in the 90s its influence now on movies literature there are plushy cthulhu's on the internet they're popular it, it's moved into it's moved from geek into mainstream um it's kind of like steampunk in that it doesn't even have to be related to the original genre it just yeah. to, it, it's a design element now um, and there's a lot of games that utilize this. We talked already about D&D using it. Um, if you look at the flying spaghetti monster has Lovecraftian aspects. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? The flying, the flying spaghetti monster. It's, it's a thing. It's a giant noodly god that flies around and created the world with its noodly appendages. It's again, really great visual on my head here. It's, it's a parody of. Christianity and long story short okay personal disagreements are made anyway um but it's it's in a lot of things and like it's, it's become like steampunk where we'll take a little bit of this Warcraft hey we want to make old gods mm-hmm. old gods are a thing we're gonna design a Lovecraft world Magic the Gathering we want Eldrazi we want to create the most terrifying creature we can what's terrifying Lovecraft creatures. Yeah. And so you have a world. Zendikar is a world that has no real Lovecraftian elements to it. It's 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 sort of a... a, a well, the Eldrazi aren't from... Zendikar. They're not from there. But it's where they were introduced. Yeah, they were introduced there, but they're not from there. Um, and 
all of a sudden there's Lovecraftian design much shoved into this world. Yeah. People love Lovecraft. People love Lovecraft. People... And, and, and to be fair, H.P. Lovecraft was a great name. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great name. It's really it's also a really easy read to like like it's it's a, it's it's shorthand. Like we were talking about the other day yeah. in the other podcast, uh, it's it's a way of shorthanding certain aspects of your story. Um, and whether or not I agree with that, uh, it's well, it's, but you know. in terms of shorthand, there 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 is a time and a place for shorthand, and there there is a time and a place for if I create this image, it evokes images of Cthulhu and ancient evils. A ancient, face with things, an, yeah. yeah, a face with tentacles on it evokes an image. Yeah, because we've gotten so used to seeing it, which I find ironic given the nature of Lovecraft is that it's supposed to be unknowable, and yet it's become symbolically recognizable. Yeah, it's become it's become the standard. It's become the yeah the the unknowable eldritch horror has become the standard. The name that is supposed to be unknowable and unpronounceable is now the mascot. Yeah. You know, Cthulhu was supposed to be something that you you could not pronounce, and suddenly... And it was supposed to be a being that you could not comprehend. And suddenly, it's a mascot. But the... And, and the problem with that stemmed from Lovecraft's own writing. It's yeah. like, you can't describe something unknowable, so why did you describe it? I was like, Psychology was saying earlier... You know, when you don't see the monster and you leave it up to your imagination, it's much more scary. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if, if he had never described and never named it... If he had just called it the ancient evil. Yeah. And, it, you know, th- this madman heard its name once and went insane. You know, that that sort of a thing. And th- th- that's what they do nowadays. It's, you know, we, we awoke something dark and ancient. Um, the, the man who gazed upon it is insane. Yeah. Rather than giving it a name. But, um, um, honestly, there... Doctor Who, the Ood have yeah, Lovecraftian. the Ood have Lovecraftian. Um, that whole the 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 uh, Satan on the moon, or Satan in the what? Satan in the asteroid. You're talking about the what was it? The Satan pit. Yeah, yeah the Satan pit. Okay, it's not on the yeah. moon. No, it's in the asteroid. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's this great yeah. evil possessing the hive mind of these subservient, Illithid tentacle like, faith. Yeah, tentacle face mm-hmm. creatures. Um, but they they sort of took that and flipped it, because when you see the the original the incarnation of the Ood, uh, they're not actually meant to be subservient. They're like a they're like a, a like a hive they're like a, a a hive culture around a um, like a mother brain. Well, I feel like part of that may have been like they were they wrote, they wrote the Ood, and then they're like we don't like that we just left this as here's a slave species and we're okay with that being a slave species. Let's go fix that. Let's retcon this. Yeah. That's what that felt like. Yeah, it did. And I'm glad they did it, and it worked. Um, so it sort of leads, and it would have otherwise left an implication that would have been, like, we're okay with slave races. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not humans, who cares? You know? Yeah. Oh, they're okay with slavery. And it was, it was, it was very much, it was very much along the same lines of slavery here on Earth, where, oh no, they like it. They're meant for it. You know? Like, they're not complaining. <laughs> that was a, that was a common that was a common, not correct okay. statement used at the time. That's of, a straight yeah. up lie. It is. It was a straight up lie. It was a straight up lie there too. The no. reason the Ood weren't complaining was because they gave them a lobotomy. 
Yeah. <laughs> you would also not be complaining if your brain, if half your brain was gone. <laughs> uh, so, uh, stepping back away from the social commentary. <laughs> Somebody, it's not, slavery was bad is social commentary. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> Stepping away from stating the obvious. I was about to say, we, we, how did that get political? <laughs> you make a point, sir. What's the other side of the argument? <laughs> the other side of the argument is wrong. Um, but, I mean, there's just so many examples of Lovecraft, and it, it, it's really been shorthanded to, let's put tentacles on this guy's face. Yeah, and T- Tentacles. And there's poorly done love. There's a lot of poorly done Lovecraft too. Yeah. To be fair, it's also there's a lot of times where people try to shorthand Lovecraft and end up doing Lovecraft and be like, "This is my unspeakable evil. I drew it." Like, um, <laughs> this is my unspeakable unknowable evil. Isn't it cute? Um, no. It comes in plushy form, though. It comes in plushy it's form. Like, for your handy merchandise. Well, and, and it comes down to you start a game up and you see an image of this floating tentacle thing, and I'm like, you just gave me Cthulhu. The entire design of this game. Yeah. And it's bad. And then it's got to the point where Cthulhu is a puzzle, is a, is a, is a, is a solution to a puzzle. And like Scribble Knots. You can t- in Scribble Knots, which is a game for the DS and a couple other systems where you can, like iPhone, I think, uh, where you can type in words. You basically type in words to complete puzzles, and you can use any word in the di- in the in the game's dictionary. And Cthulhu is in the damn dictionary, yeah. so you can spawn Cthulhu and ride Cthulhu into battle. It's like so you've 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 relegated this ancient horror, uh, uh, this ancient sort of uh, sort of uh, set piece of horror, to being a puzzle solution. Here, we're going to do something real quick. We're going to Google Cthulhu. And we're going to tell you the top images that show up. We're going to spell it correctly. I can tell you what they are right now. All right, hold on. We got, we've got, we got a whole bunch of bat-wing guys with tentacle face. Bat-wing guys with tentacle face. Bat-wing guys with tentacle face. Bat-wing guys with tentacle Seems face. running trend. Bat-wing guys with tentacle face. Bat-wing guy with tentacle face and a top hat. Bat-wing guy with tentacle face. Dapper. You know, for an undescribable horror, he's very consistent. Batwing guy with tentacle face. He's so cute. Cute Batwing guy with tentacle face. <laughs> um, d- guy wearing a that, knitted impressive. cap of Cthulhu. It's it. Um, it's such a consistent theme. It's it's ironic that you know this this is what we've come down to is that there's such a consistent view of what is Cthulhu. Is that a pony Cthulhu? Yeah, that's a My Little Pony Cthulhu. Who that still is, has a tentacle face and bat wings. That is what that <laughs> is what Lovecraft has been demoted to. Just the same way, we could make the same argument for steampunk, by the way. Yeah. That being moved to mainstream has has done bad things for Cthulhu's image. Um, be, because of the shorthand. There's Dr. Seussian Cthulhu as well. Yeah. It's Cthulhu leggings. There's sexy Cthulhu uh, Halloween costumes. Um, there's sexy everything. That, yeah, that 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 you, one. You can uh, be a sexy crayon. I'm about to say there's there like. sexy everything costumes. Yes, but Cthulhu for president. Why choose the lesser evil? Yeah, I'd vote for him. I mean, you'd if, have Don- to. if Donald Trump wins you, the nomination, then you'd have to really. You're like if Cthulhu ran for president, you wouldn't have a choice. <laughs> um, he's on a Christmas sweater. 
Nothing says holidays. Like Cthulhu. Anyways. Cthulhu Photography. Cthulhu Photography. We, we've said the word Cthulhu. We, we've said the unpronounceable name so many times and described the undescribable evil so many times and discussed the unknowable so many times. We just, we just, we just beat a dead horse right on this stream, and you saw what happened to Cthulhu when you talk about it. Yeah, and that, that's sort of that. That's 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 what happens when you mishandle things like that, and and that's why part of why I'm really glad that you don't have to use Cthulhu and call it Cthulhu. Yes, <laughs> there are other horrors that people know less about. I can do like like I could show you an idol of a of a bat winged creature with tentacle faces, or. I could show you what looks like a pine cushion with mouth. Oh, I'm sorry, pin cushion with mouth. I don't know why I said pine cushion. A pin cushion with a mouth. Or just a symbol. We never saw the ancient evil. Yeah. We were just knew that if it got in this world, it would destroy everything. You didn't know that. You assumed it. We, we, we made logical assumptions. Logical assumptions were made, and they were not wrong. <laughs> logical assumptions were made. They were not incorrect. So, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, I think, I, think that, I think that's a good place to wrap up uh, right about there. Um, thank you for sitting through as we meandered about horror topics and, and stole subjects away from Holly. Uh, uh, yeah. The only one who actually regularly well, indulges just, in horror. It's okay. Happens all the time. It's okay. Um, so we're doing a lot of other stuff now in addition to this. Uh, as we've talked about at the beginning of this podcast, we did a special a special edition actual play of Call of Cthulhu, which you can find at the same place you're finding this, as a matter of fact, at sinstalkie.podbean.com or at our website at finalshowfilms.com. Um, you can also find uh, everything else that we do at finalshowfilms.com and on our Patreon at patreon.com slash fsfilms. Uh, there's a few things that we're doing now that we're experimenting with. We're experimenting with longer form sketch comedy uh, in, in one of our two weekly videos. Um, if you if you have any comments on that or suggestions or concerns or scripts, um, you can send those to finalshowfilms at gmail.com to contact us. You can also, if you'd like to talk about your favorite Halloween things or your favorite scary stories in video games or horror elements in non-horror media, um, you can also send all that to finalshowfilms at gmail.com. Um... If you like the Call of Cthulhu game and you want to hear more of us doing that, uh, let us know at finalshowfilms at gmail.com. And if, if, you know, and we want it, we certainly want to do more of it, but if there's a demand for it, we might just make it happen sooner than, than, than if we just want to do it. Um, so let us know. And I think that's it. Uh, and in, in a couple of weeks, I will be leaving for, uh, for Victoria, BC to work on Desert Bus at Desert Bus for Hope. Uh, so if you want to look up that, you can Google Desert Bus for Hope or go to desertbus.org uh, to find out more information about that. And because I'm going to be going away for a week and a half, two of the podcasts in November will be sans me. So you'll get to hear Austin and William and maybe Holly or maybe somebody else if they drag in a third person uh, talk about something else. And you won't hear me ramble on for a half an hour about specific things. <laughs> or Cthulhu. Or Cthulhu. That was me, actually. That was both of us, really. That was a rant about how much there's too much. We we spent too much time talking about too much Cthulhu. Too much time, too much Cthulhu. Not enough. Final show films. In the meantime, this has been John, Austin, Holly, and we are Final Show Films. Thank you very much for listening. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.